Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And for today, we do get into a discussion just around um, what's going on over in the residential property sector. Uh, more specifically, FNB has just come out uh, with some uh, results for its um, uh, residential property barometer and uh, the state uh, agent survey. And we're just going to be understanding what that means um, we often talk um, about uh, you know broadly about the macroeconomic situation in the country and in the world uh, but uh, I believe uh, that uh, you know surveys like this do serve a big purpose in actually translating uh, you know what some of those big themes um, actually mean uh, for businesses for organizations for government um, on the ground so for today we are going to be unpacking what all of this means and uh, joining us is Sipamantla uh, Mkwanazi, uh, who is uh, FNB's senior economist, uh, you know, just to give us all of that insight. Sipamantla, greetings to you today. With you, hi. Um, I think maybe a good place for us to start is uh, getting a sense of, uh, you know, the residential property uh, barometer that we're talking about to say, you know, what is it exactly and how have you guys come up, um, you know, with the type of results uh, that you have? You know, what are some of the data points uh, that you guys are actually using um, to give you a picture of what's going on in the property sector? Yes, right. No, thank you for having me, Mdiwa. Um, Look, the, the FNP um, residential property barometer looks at the broader themes around the residential property market in South Africa. There are four key pieces of data that we use to build um, into the barometer. The first one is we look at our internal data from our um, mortgage um, units to our two mortgage units. So that would be applications, um, what properties are people buying at what price levels, at what, at, at what areas and how the value of those properties is trending over time, is evolving over time. That's the first one. The second one, if you think about the process of buying a house, we send out a lot of the times we send out a, a, a value, a property value to go value that property. Um, and part of that, um, valuing process, we ask them a couple of questions about the area, the, the level of demand. Um, the level of supply and out of that we derive what we call um, market strength indices so it's it's, it's 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 data that is derived from um our property value was database that tells us something about um area dynamics and um, the level of, of, of um, the strength of, of, of demand and supply in those particular areas now the third one is what everybody is everybody um uses which is data from um, the reserve bank what the credit markets are doing what mortgage markets are doing which gives us an indication of how um demand combined with other um pieces of data to describe um combine it with those and um, get to a level of understanding of um, just the strength of demand in the, in the entire property market. And the last one is um, is, is um, the deeds office data where everybody um, um, registers their property. That gives us an indication of uh, even outside of the mortgage market. Um, so we get a, a bit of um, what is happening in the cash market as well because those properties um, at the end of the day will have to be registered at, at, at the deeds office. So that's the four main pieces of information that are built that built into the property barometer. Now, certainly happy to hear, you know, all of those, uh, you know, types of pieces. And I think that uh, moves us quite nicely to maybe get a sense of, uh, 
you know, from your point of view, some of the big things, um, you know, that have come out of that. We've constantly been having these conversations about um, the state of the economy. We hear a lot about, you know, all of the pressures that consumers are facing at the moment. How is all of that translating um, into what we're seeing over in the residential property market? Look, there are four broad themes um, that are shaping um, the narrative in the property market at the moment. The first one is um, the volumes. Um, now, this was a, a major surprise to many of us who are interested in the market. What we are seeing there, um, the market volumes are that, is that um, they are still running ahead of the pre-pandemic level. And this is despite the increasing interest rate. This is despite um, the, 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 the rising cost of living that is eating into consumers' purchasing power. Break that down and look at who is actually um, driving the volumes at the moment. We find that it is now, volumes are now more, more driven by your more mature buyers. Um, so those would be um, those that, um, those that are uh, 45 years and above um, in the main, um, and they're probably buying um, a property for the second, third, or even fourth time. Now, the a distinct factor about those um, those kind of buyers is that they generally have access to equity, and this is a buyer that is not as sensitive to interest rate um, changes. Now, you would think back to um, second half of 2020. That period was when the property market in SA was largely driven by your first-time buyers, so guys mainly under 38 to 35, very sensitive to interest rate changes, and they jumped into the market because interest rates um, were very low at the time. So now that wave is gone, um, and we see that volumes are now in the main driven by your more mature, um, your more mature buyers. Now the second one is what I've already touched on a little bit. On, um, on interest rates. Yes, naturally, the rise in interest rates has a cooling effect um, on buying activity. And that's, that's a natural, um, that's a natural um, a result of, of higher interest rates because, I mean, um, you know, purchasing power or, or customers' disposable income is taken away by, um, by, by, by inflation. So naturally, you would expect that as interest rates are increased, the, the activity or home buying activity should, um, should cool a little bit. But this must be interpreted in context in the context of my previous point around who is actually buying, um, who is actually participating in 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 um in, in, in the property market at the moment. Now our view on, on on interest rates is that, or what we have seen on interest rates is that it, it affects more your low um your low to middle income um earners more than your affluent um, your affluent earners. And we think that the increase in interest rate will have a much bigger impact on the property market in the middle to low income or in the middle to low um priced um priced segment as opposed to um to the to the higher segment. So it will be important to to see um by segment how um the impact of interest rates um, um interest rate evolves. The third important one as well is in the middle of all of this, there's going to be someone who is um who is going to fund property acquisitions. In the main property acquisitions in South Africa are funded by uh, mortgages. So um it's mainly the banks. What we have seen here is that despite this increase in interest rates, um we we, we credit mortgage credit um continues to, to 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 perform um strongly if you look at um data from the reserve bank mortgage extension um year to date um has grown by about um 6.8 percent um this is data for between january and um and, and, and april and between that period house prices have grown by about four percent so you've got a situation where the credit um credit that funds this um, these property acquisitions is growing at a faster pace relative to the under 
underlying asset and that is supportive um, of the market. It generally is supportive of the market and that's probably why we are still seeing um, volumes um, performing as strongly as, um, as, as, as they have in, um, in, 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 in the recent past. But on top of that, Mudiwa, we also see that um, even, 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 those, um, even those customers that would have been approved a loan, banks in the main are willing to fund a bigger proportion of the party's price. So we, we measure this using what we call loan to price. So the proportion of the loan relative to the party's price um, of, um, of the underlying property. At the moment, it's sitting at around seven, at around 95%, meaning that um, banks are demanding somewhere around 5% um, or 5% of the party's price as an upfront um, deposit. Now, this is the highest this ratio has been since 2008. Um, you would recall in 2008 that the market was quite, um, was, 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 was quite buoyant. Now, what is interesting here is that much of this credit is actually going to the higher end of the market, so the top 40% of the purchase prices. So that will, those will be properties at around 1.5 million and above. If you check how this ratio has evolved um, by this segment, you will see that it's grown by five percentage points to, um, to 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 those who are buying in the top twenty percent of the market. So we are talking properties that are two point eight million. And we find that interesting. So what we get from that is that um, credit is relatively um, continues to be available, but in the main, it's going to the higher end um, of the market, which explains why we are seeing um, volumes performing stronger in the higher end. Um, in the higher end of the market. And the last one, which is going to be important going forward, is what happens to the labor market. Now, we have already seen, uh, well, in general, the labor market continues to be weak. Wage growth continues to lag. Um, other sources of income, we see that non-labor income is actually growing at a quicker pace compared to labor income. We are seeing that um, the labor market unemployment um, continues to um, to be at elevated levels. But the, 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 the green shoots here is that if you look at hiring intentions um, from our sentiment indicators, um, sentiment indicators conducted by BER, hiring intentions have turned constructive, they've turned positive in many sectors, especially those sectors that were um, severely affected by, by, by the pandemic. So those would be accommodation or tourism and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in the main, we are seeing that across many sectors, these hiring intentions have turned, have turned positive. And we have in fact seen some parts of it playing out in the first quarter with the economy creating about 370,000 um, new jobs in, 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 in the first quarter. So for us, it will be important to see how the labor market evolves um, after this, especially within the context of, of rising interest rates. And the, 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 the strength of the labor market will determine how the middle to lower end of the market performs going forward because we know in the higher end of the market, volumes are relatively um, relatively stable and credit seems to be um, channeled into those, um, into those segments. Now, there's a lot that you've just unpacked for us there. And I think, you know, one of the key things is to maybe um, get a sense of uh, what's going on between the different income groups. I think you did highlight the fact that, um, you know, the economy is having a bit of a strength um, on people in different ways, right? Um, so against that backdrop then, um, with everything that's going on, what type of, uh, what do you call this, what type of movements then do we see? Because I saw that one of the things that we are seeing is, uh, you know, uh, a bit of a healthier recovery, you know, from what you guys said um, when it comes to your freestanding houses versus your sectional titles, you know, that type of thing. Um 
does or everything that you're saying because I'm just thinking about it from a market point of view. Um, it sounds as if you know everything that's going on um, sort of benefits more uh, people that are renting out their properties more than anyone else. Am I understanding that little bit uh, correctly? Right. So you mentioned two things. Um, the first one is what type of properties um, that um, uh, that are the flavor of the day at the moment. Now, you 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 think back to the pandemic when we spent a lot of our time um, in, in, in our homes, we were locked into our homes, but we were still expected to perform our duties, especially us in the financial sector um, and other sectors that are able to perform their duties um, remotely. Now, what that did was it altered the the the, the, the housing needs of, um, of, of, of South Africans, especially those that are employed. What we saw then was a move combined with the low interest rates at the time was a move away from the rental market to home buying market. So that prompted a number of um, a number of, 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 of first time buyers to move away from um, the rental market to, 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 to home ownership. And that had an impact of affecting negatively the rental market. We saw vacancy shooting up. So they shot up for two reasons. The first one was that well, the economy suffered over 2 million job losses. Obviously, demand for rental uh, for rental is going to drop. But also, secondly, out of the remaining population, um, renting population, those that could afford or interest rate, uh, interest rate um, attracted many of those that were in the rental market to switch over to um, to the home ownership market. So those, those two things provided a what I would call a perfect storm for 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 for, um, for the rental market in favor of the home ownership market. Now, when when those buyers were moving towards um, the were moving to the home ownership market, there were specific types of properties that were that they were interested in. They were interested in properties that would allow them. To, to work remotely at the time, um, there were those that were that were homeschooling. So, so, so in 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 the main, you want a property that would give you that peace of mind, enough space for you to stretch your legs. So you probably want a garden. You want an extra um an extra room that you will uh, that will turn into into an office. So, in, in, in combining all of that, we saw demand for bigger properties um increasing, demand for freestanding properties. Um, increasing, so so that that's what um a favor to 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 to, to the freestanding properties, and we still see that at the moment um freestanding properties are performing a little bit um better than um, um sectional um sectional titles. Now increase in interest rates now puts favor back to the rental market. We have certainly started seeing um in, in um seeing um rental inflation um, cri- um creeping up, although it is um. In, in, in the bigger scheme of things, it's still relatively low. We would expect it to be relatively low, given the fact that um, the recovery in the labor market has been um, relatively has been relatively slow. But in terms of direction, we are now starting to see rental market picking up and the home buying market starting to uh, starting to lose momentum. So it's that favor now shifting back to um, the 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 the, the, um, the rental market, all driven by mainly by the increase in, 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 in interest rates. So you are right, Patty, that it favors the rental market. The increase in interest rates um, you know, um, favors the rental market in that that migration is now starting to dry up and favor is coming back to the rental market. 
I like I like that last bit that you said about um, you know some of the demand starting to dry up because of um, you know those rising interest rates etc. And um, one of the things I was going to ask is to say you know on balance you know um, when you have an interest rate increase as such as the one that we've recently seen um, you know your fifty basis points etc. You know what does that actually do you know to demand on the ground simply because. Uh, people are, you know, doing a lot of offsetting, you know, in their lives. Uh, you, you you might be experiencing, let's say, a higher financing costs for your house, but um, on the other side, you might uh, decide that, okay, fine, if I get a bigger property, I think you were talking just now about having a bigger property, maybe, uh, you know, somewhere where you can walk outside and all of that stuff. You know, those tend to be the types of properties where people are now having your home offices, etc. People, some people, you know, those with the flexibility will say, okay, fine, um, I'm going to get this big house, but uh, I will save on transport costs by working from home. Um, you know, just given, you know, how high uh, transport costs are and everything else is generally because of, um, you know, inflation. I'm just wondering, you know, how all of that, you know, the, how those dynamics are actually coming to play. Or do we just have that uh, traditional response in the market where an increase in, in interest rates does just equal a lowering of that demand? Mm. Yeah. So, so the way I like to think about it, Mudiwa, um, is think of someone who is entering the labor market for the first time. Now you enter the the, the, the labor market at a time when interest rates are rising. You look at um, the rental inflation. You see it's still around. Uh, it's less than two percent. So rental escalations are around less than two um, percent. Now the uncertainty. There's there's major uncertainty around uh, around interest rates. In fact, it's uncertainty around how the economy is going to perform. Now the risk um, scenario is the global recession. Yes, it's not our base case, but it is a risk scenario that the, the, the um, global economy is likely to go into, um, into a recession. So you combine all of this, you, you are probably going to choose the rental market. It gives you a bit more stability. You know that um, um, vacancy rates are still are still, um, are still still high, so it gives you a bit of choice. So, um, so landlords don't have full um, full pricing power as yet. It is coming back, but it's not full as yet. Um, so it gives you as a tenant, it gives you a little bit of room um, to negotiate um, that um, th- those rental escalations, especially given the rise in 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 in, um, in cost of living. Um, utilities have gone up, electricity, water, um, property rates, you name it. All of that um, utility prices have gone. Um, have gone up um, and in the rental market you do have a say in how much you pay um, um, unlike in, in, in the home ownership market where you are most likely a price taken so far as interest rates are, 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 are concerned so if you are entering the job market for the first time in this period where inter- in, in this period where interest rates are rising and you're not sure um, at what level interest rates are going to land you're not sure how economy is going to perform um, um, under the circumstances you are likely to go to um, to, to, to the rental market and that's generally what we are seeing in terms of new demand coming in um, so those that are entering the labor market um, for the first time are likely to to um to the rental market unlike in the um unlike the um home ownership market but as i mentioned in my opening remark the drivers of volumes right now in the home buying market are those that are buying property for the second third time um in the main guys that are 45 and, and end up in the main don't you say first time buyers are not participating at all it is to say that volumes are largely at the moment driven by 
your more experienced buyer. So the, 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 the net effect of, of, of increase in interest rates is likely to be that we are, um, we are going to see um, demand from new buyers, so first-time buyers drying up a bit, a little bit more quicker um, as, 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 as interest rates um, continue, to, um, continue to increase. Let's uh, end off this discussion, Sipamandla, talking about, um, you spoke just now about that net effect, you know, uh, that dynamic between people that are in, that have just come in to buy, um, you know, your second, third properties versus your first time buyers, etc. Um, <clears throat> we often talk about the short, the medium and long term. And I'm just wondering about long term, right? Uh, the type of market dynamics that we have at play right now, you know, does that lend itself to maybe entrenching a, a, a what can I say, a certain market structure, you know, over time? Or do you think some of these things that are happening right now are more on the short-term side because, like you said, uh, first-time buyers, I think that tends to be one of the big things that, uh, you know, institutions such as F&B do focus on. You know, how do we get more people into the home buying market and all of that stuff? Um, but are we creating a situation where in the long term it will be uh, th- that certain group of people that have a property already that are above the age of 45, that they are the ones that keep buying the properties and then you have this group of younger people uh, that continue being in the rental market and um, being a, a home buyer becomes you know, more and more difficult over time. You know, what do we see, you know, more long-term, more bigger picture? That is an excellent question. Um, all things, all things equal. Um, it, 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 this is these trends are likely to create um, or entrench um, an undesirable um, outcome that um, the haves continue to accumulate more and they have not struggled to break into the market. All things equal. But we mustn't discount the ability of the banking institutions to respond to these trends. It isn't the first time that this is happening in South Africa. We have seen it before. We have been in instances where in interest rate hiking cycles before. And how banks have responded in the past is through innovation sometimes. Um, and in fact, we have started seeing that, for instance, we are now in South Africa starting to see the emergence of um, mortgage loans that are longer than 20 years, right? Um, in other markets and more mature markets, the UK, the US, for instance, um, on average, uh, a, 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 a loan, um, a mortgage is 30 years. In South Africa, on average, it's 20 years. We are now starting to see now banks playing into that market of extending, um, the, the term of the loans all in an attempt to improve um, affordability and that plays more towards the lower end of the market where affordability is a little bit of a problem. So, Banks do have, um, or lenders do have, uh, you know, an ability to stimulate demand in segments that are, um, that are lagging behind. Um, and I do think that this we will continue to see, um, this playing out. The second one that, um, 2016, 2017, nothing much was happening in the market. Volumes were starting to thin. Um, interest rates were increasing. What we saw then was, um, you know, um, this competition building up amongst banks. So they were fighting for that good quality, um, or those that good quality buyer. And when they found that good quality buyer, they made sure that um, that good quality buyer is sufficiently funded. So we saw 
um, loan to price, as I mentioned earlier, starting to increase. I think it, 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 it was at around 90 at that point. We saw um, throughout 2017 increasing to around 293, um, or something like that. And it started with one bank and the rest, with the rest followed. So what we are likely then to see in the is um, with volume starting to thin, uh, competition amongst lenders is probably going to heat up. And when competition heats up, um, it will prompt them to stimulate demand in markets that are lagging. And I think in the lower end of the market, we are likely to see the continuation, the continuation of this, um, to 30 year bond, um, 30 year bonds, um, that, um, that are, that are designed to improve affordability level and participation level. So it will depend on how, um, lending institutions respond to, um, to this market, um, to, to volumes drying up and this distinct, um, these distinct trends between the haves and the have nots. So that's been it, you know, very fascinating discussion there and a lot of, you know, great information coming through uh, from uh, Sipamant Lamkwanazi, who is a senior economist over at, um, you know, over at uh, FNB, uh, giving us insight into uh, the property barometer and what that is looking like at the moment. You know, some of the key insights, um, you know, that they are seeing, you know, out there is that um, interest rates, uh, things like interest rates are driving more people towards uh, the rental market we are talking about um, the fact that at the moment uh, home ownership and you know the buying trends are being driven by people that already have properties um, somewhat of an older generation and uh, people that already have uh, more than one property getting into you know your second third fourth properties uh, but I think at the end there we did get into a discussion uh, just around what this means um, all things um, what do you call this all things equal you know what does this mean for um the rental market um but um you know what does it mean for you know entrenching a market structure where the haves um you know continue to get and the have nots you know uh continue to be uh priced out of the market but uh super monthly just talking about um you know some of the ways in which um banks and other financial institutions are coming to the table um when it comes to this exploring um your, your things such as uh, getting into the 30-year mortgage market as opposed to the standard 20 that, um, you know, is in South Africa. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how all of that, um, you know, continues to uh, play out over time. And more importantly, it will be very interesting to see, you know, how things like your interest rates right now we're talking about property and um, you know with each one of these discussions we keep talking about um, the different ways in which the economy is affecting us I mean the other day we're having uh, a discussion just around the fact that uh, the price of uh, the price of f- food inflation has gone up by more than 10% over the last year and now we're talking about what's going on over in the property sector um, all of these different pieces you know continue to illustrate uh, the type of pressures that consumers face in South Africa. So, Supermantla, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to having you again uh, to continue this discussion in a few months' time just to see uh, what would have happened then.
And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.